Sunrift Adventures and Historic Travelers Rest South Carolina has been outfitting the foothills for over 37 years with the best boats, bikes, tents, and more. With great brands, Sunrift has you covered for every adventure. Stop into Sunrift Adventures' unique outdoor shop and say hello today. Go to sunrift.com for more information. That's sunrift.com. Nature's Edge is brought to you by the Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina, Western North Carolina's only magazine dedicated to the fishing enthusiast. Pick one up at over 400 locations throughout Western North Carolina or visit them online at theanglermagazine.com to find out more. And be sure to follow them on Facebook, Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina. Programming support for Nature's Edge comes from the Native Watercraft, locally made fishing kayaks designed for Carolina waters and beyond. Models featuring the hands-free Propel Pedal Drive system, the new Slayer 12XC, perfect for fishing the French Broad, as well as a full range of kayak fishing accessories can be purchased at the Native Watercraft Factory Store at 210 Old Airport Road in Fletcher, North Carolina. Again, that is 210 Old Airport Road in Fletcher. For more details, Google Native Watercraft Factory store. Hey guys, Dale Stewart here. Nature's Edge is on the air. You know, it's that time of year. I was out uh, this weekend wandering in the woods as I'm prone to do, and uh, when I get home, I I, I sort of have a little after I put my gear away and clean it up and everything. Then I then I kind of go in the bathroom and take off all my clothes and start checking myself for ticks or other uh, other hitchhikers that I might find on on my body. And uh, sure enough, this weekend, uh, as I was checking myself, I found one that had already attached and another one crawling up my leg. So I said, you know. It's that time of year. I need to get somebody on that we can talk a little bit about uh, about ticks and and uh, and other other critters that uh, we might pick up in the forest. And immediately, uh, I knew exactly who I was going to contact. Uh, as you know, most of my most of my guests on the radio show are, are friends or people that I've known and are worked with. This gentleman I've literally known almost all my life. Uh, we both grew up in Winfield, Louisiana. We both went to the same high school and both went to the same college. The only difference was when I when I finished college, I went off and started wandering the world. This gentleman went on and got a Ph.D. and uh, became one of the world's leading authorities in microbiology. Uh, Mike Miller is retired from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, after 35 years, where he was associate director for laboratory science for the National Center for Emerging and Zoonotic Infectious Disease. Uh, Mike did his undergraduate work, as I said, uh, at Northwestern State University in Louisiana and completed uh, his graduate work at the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio. Uh, he's an amazing guy. He's a diplomat of the American Board of, of Medical Microbiology. He's a fellow of the American Academy of Microbiology and a former member of the Board of Governors. He holds a, a clinical laboratory uh, director license in a number of states. He's also the author of two books. He's the editor of three books and has contributed many chapters uh, in 10 published texts and uh, has over 100 journal articles in peer-reviewed publications. I can think of no one better to speak about ticks. How are you, Mike? Hey, Dale. Thanks for uh, asking me. I'm doing great. This is a uh, this is a great topic you've chosen for today. 
Well, you know, it's one of those topics that uh, that is timely, and a lot of people don't think about it too much. But uh, uh, why don't we just jump right in there? And, and uh, I guess my first question is, how can we prevent tick and tick bites? Uh, well, I tell you, your typical uh, jumping right in there. I, first of all, let me say that uh, I know your mantra, your your approach to enjoying life is to grab adventure and go and uh, just don't miss that opportunity. Uh, and just like you said, Dale, when you uh, when you leap into some natural habitat that's not your full-time home, it is full-time for wildlife, insects, and reptiles. And so now you're on their turf and likely on their menu uh, and following their rules and ticks the same way. So... Um, we want to, when we get out in the woods, we kind of want to not get bitten by ticks. Um, the thing about ticks is tick exposure uh, is a year-round thing. It's not just summer, um, as you well know. Yeah. Um, they're more active during the summer months, but um, you can get a tick just about any time just by going outdoors. You don't have to go into the Carolina wilderness or the Amazon jungle. You, you just go outside in your house because that's where they live. Grassy, brushy, wooded areas. Uh, and they live on animals too. So just spending out time outside, walking your dog, working in the garden, camping, hiking, that's all, that's all exposure. That's, that's what's going to happen. But you asked me about um, prevention. Well, there's a couple of things you can do. You know, you can treat your clothing and your uh, outdoor camping gear uh, with a compound called uh, permethrin. I don't know if you use that or not. Yes. Uh, uh, but you can uh, treat your clothes with permethrin. You can treat your boots, camping gear, and uh, it stays very active through several washings. So it's pretty good stuff. Um, alternatively, you can even buy clothing that's been treated with uh, permethrin. Um, and then just to protect your skin, um, uh, you can purchase insect repellent, hopefully that contains DEET. That's just literally capital D-E-E-T. 20 to 50% DEET. Uh, there are other chemicals. I could name a bunch of the... the uh, uh, other insect repellents like um, picaridin, uh, IR3535, but let me recommend to the uh, audience uh, to go to the Environmental Protection Agency website, the EPA website, and search there for um, insect repellents, and it'll give you details exactly of what to uh, potentially use. One thing, one thing I would pause here, though, Dale, is that um, for parents who have young children, be sure and read the package insert because uh, insect repellent on babies younger than two months old um, may not be recommended. So make sure you check that, in, that package insert about uh, uh, age limitations on those uses. That's, that's good advice. Uh, Mike, how, if, if you get a tick on you, is there, a, is there a preferred manner to remove that tick? Oh, yes. 
Uh, absolutely. Um, it's just, these are things that uh, everybody needs to know about what to do if you get a tick bite because they can make us sick. Now, please don't don't use your fear of getting a tick bite from getting out in the in nature. Never ever do that. Just uh, step out and enjoy what's there for you. Just be prepared. Absolutely. Kind of know what to do. So, to remove a tick, first of all, let me say, avoid a lot of folk remedies. Uh, and you, you and I have heard this, and we probably tried it when we were kids, picking blackberries. But I'll tell you what. Um, Painting the tick with nail polish, yeah. uh, painting the tick with Vaseline, petroleum jelly, or using heat to stick on their back ends to detach from your skin. Those are folklore remedies, um, and they, they just don't work. So your goal is to remove the tick as quickly as possible. Uh, and don't wait for it to detach. That's, that's important. Don't wait for it to come off on its own. So... Use tweezers. You need to keep a pair in your uh, camping gear all the time. Fine tip tweezers, and you grasp the tick as close to the skin as you can. Then pull upward with steady, even pressure. Don't twist it or jerk it or something like that. And for heaven's sake, don't mash it with your fingernails. Because all that does, if there's uh, organisms inside a tick, going to make you sick you've just now got it under your fingernails and all over your skin so don't do that um, just pull it off with those tweezers uh, after you get it off clean the area wash your hands uh, clean with rubbing alcohol and just take care of yourself then throw the tick down the toilet if you got one uh, if you feel like you want to take it to your health care provider um, put it in rubbing alcohol and in a sandwich bag or something. Now, the thing about it is, do you have to call the doctor every time you get a tick bite? No. Uh, in fact, CDC doesn't recommend taking antibiotics after tick bites uh, to prevent tick-borne diseases. Um, if you do, it can reduce the risk, that's, that's for sure, especially of something like Lyme disease. But it's not it's just not necessary. Most tick bites do not result in disease. That's one thing you need to remember. They just don't result in disease. Um, so, uh, you know, we could talk a lot about that. Treatment is, has to be based on symptoms and things, and we can talk about some of these diseases if you want to. Yeah, I, one question I did want to ask you, though, uh, you know, oftentimes I find ticks just crawling on me, uh, on my skin or something, and you know, as I said, I check pretty regularly when I'm out uh, for them. <clears throat> can just the fact that a tick is crawling on your skin, uh, can, can you get any kind of, uh, uh, pick up any disease uh, just from them crawling, or do they do they have to bite? No, they have to bite. Um, they've got to bite you to spread their germs because yeah. the germs are actually in their saliva. Uh, and once they attach to you, they, they feed on your blood, and that's how they spread the germs and get in your body. But a tick that's just crawling on you but not attached, um, uh, it's not going to give you anything. Yeah, that was, that was uh, kind of what I thought. 
Now, the thing about it, if you find one crawling on you, there may be others that are already there. True. <laughs> so don't forget, just like you did, as you said at the beginning of the show, check yourself and be very careful. And if you have young children, you'll have to check them to make sure that they don't have a tick that's attached. Absolutely, yeah. I, I guess... Uh, one of the more common diseases that people seem to know about from tick bites is, is Lyme disease. Is that right? That, yeah, that's right. Um, and the question that comes up uh, regarding Lyme disease and others is, okay, if I get a tick bite, how long does that tick, how, how much time do I have before I remove it before I get sick? Sure. Well, let me, let me tell you this. With Lyme disease, it is a very low risk. I'll say that again. It is a low risk if the tick has been attached less than 36 hours. Uh-huh. So that tick has to be on you for at least 36 hours for the risk of getting sick with Lyme disease to go up. So that's why we all say to remove these ticks as soon as possible as you get home. Um, but now Lyme disease... It's one of those, uh, it's kind of an interesting disease. I've, I've seen a few cases here in Georgia, uh, they're in Carolina, but they're mostly up in the northeast and uh, upper Midwest around the Great Lakes region. There's just lots of it up in there. Yeah. Uh, but it's tending to move, tending to move downward. Um, and uh, when it does, the symptoms uh of Lyme disease, like many other, one of the symptoms is a rash. And the classic rash is what's called a bullseye rash. And the bullseye rash looks exactly like a, uh, looks exactly like a target. You know, there's a red center and then there's a ring around that um, that tends to grow. Um, the medical term is erythema migrans, but ne- the Nevertheless, it's a unique bullseye-looking rash. The problem is the organisms that cause Lyme disease don't always read the textbook, and that rash may or may not be there. So uh, that's where kind of recognizing the symptoms uh, become very important. How successful uh, is treatment? The sooner you start treatment the better um, so that's that's the other thing that's important about uh, all of these tick-borne diseases um, is to make sure that you start these uh, start these treatments very quickly and uh, uh, get things moving <clears throat> and uh, I want to talk about some of these symptoms a little bit absolutely yeah um, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, uh, I worked in the bioterrorism arena for a long time for disease control, and, and um, uh, some of the symptoms uh, of tick-borne diseases and bioterrorism diseases and many other things uh, are very much like flu, very much like flu, like fever and chills. Um, most all people with a tick-borne disease are going to have fever, sometime or another. Um, aches and pains, like headaches, fatigue, muscle aches, and there's some of these tick diseases will have a rash, but not all of them. 
but they have a rash. So the thing about worrying about a disease is if you come in from a trip and you find that you have ticks that are attached and you've removed them, and then say a few days later you start having some flu symptoms, that's when you need to go to the physician. These fever, chills, aches and pains, maybe some type of a rash. And uh, Lyme disease is one of those, but that rash may not appear from three to 30 days uh, after you've been bitten. Um, and only 70 to 80% of the people are going to have that rash. And what about the fever? Will that occur generally before the rash? Uh, yeah. Uh, before the rash or sometimes with the rash. Um, and the same thing, the fever is going to occur with most all of these tick-borne, uh, tick-borne diseases. Uh, rash seen with Rocky Mountain spotted fever, sure. for instance, uh, uh, is very different from the uh, rash of Lyme disease. Uh, it's kind of a uh, flat, flat pink spot on, on your body that uh, uh, don't itch or anything like that, um, but they can be on your wrists and forearms and ankles, and then it spreads to your trunk. So uh, they're kind of red to purple rash, um, and um, kind of occurs in about 35 to 60 percent of the patients. Mike, is there a difference? Uh, you know, I travel all over the place. Is is, is there a if I get a tick in in uh, Central America or South America, are there are there different uh, uh, pathogens involved or different diseases uh, from from ticks uh, from different geographic locations? Oh, great question. Uh, the answer is absolutely yes. In fact, <clears throat> one of the kinds of homework that I know you do, Dale, and other people should do is to. Is, know that if you're going out in the wilderness and uh, um, Italy or if you're going in the wilderness in the Colorado mountains, I, uh, do a little research and find out what type of vectors are there. Absolutely. Already there uh, so that you can be prepared and just, uh, just kind of have your homework done. Uh, you know, there's a disease called... Uh, Colorado tick fever. Yeah, uh, it's caused by a virus. It's not caused by a bacteria. And remember that viruses, viral diseases, cannot be treated with antibiotics. Very true. Antibiotics are, can only treat bacteria. So um, you can treat the symptoms, and that's kind of what happens. Uh, but uh, another disease, um, uh, ehrlichiosis, is South Central and Eastern United States. Correct. Um, Lyme disease is upper Midwest in the Northeastern United States. Um, and, you know, we, I can just go through a number of different organisms and ticks um, that occur in different parts of the country. And there are about 10 different ticks. That's not a lot, but there are about 10 different species of ticks uh, that uh, we know of that carry relatively common diseases. Sure. Now, there's a couple that are brand new diseases. We just now found them. Well, uh, for instance, um, 
one of the oldest diseases that's vector-borne is um, um, plague. I mean, it's been here for thousands of years. Absolutely. Um, spread by fleas. And we've just recently found diseases spread by ticks. One, one is a virus called the bourbon virus. Spelled bourbon like you drink on your front porch. Yep. Um, and that's found in the Midwest and the southern United States. And we don't, we don't even know if the virus can be found anywhere else. It's so, it's so new. So we're still learning, and uh, we're just uh, uh, trying to keep up with those tick bites and diseases that do occur. You know, Mike, For instance, yeah, I, I was just going to uh, change a minute. We, we could talk about ticks all day, but I, we've got about two minutes left here on uh, on the show. And, and I did want to ask you, since I've got you on here just real quick, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing an uh, outbreak of measles uh, around the country, and I know uh, there's a, there seems to be a, 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 I don't know what you call it, but a lot of people out there, a, a lot of parents that are not getting their, uh, their children vaccinated, and I, I wish you'd just touch on that for a moment. Wow. You know, there's over a thousand cases of measles in the United States right now. Yeah. And uh, this is a this is a dangerous disease. This is a virus disease that is extremely easy to transmit. Just being in a room with somebody with measles gives you a risk for getting this disease. But let me say, first of all, that there is no zero, no scientific evidence, no scientific basis. <clears throat> that a measles vaccine can cause something like autism or something like that. That was based on data that was uh, uh, proven incorrect and uh, falsified uh, many years ago. So please, let's all uh, encourage our colleagues and our friends to uh, get their children vaccinated with measles. It just it, it, there's not a uh, problem with that, and the disease itself can be very dangerous. This virus is not even a complete measles virus, so it can't give you the disease. It's like influenza vaccine. Yeah, you cannot get flu from the virus because the vaccine, the the organism is dead. I mean, it's just it's just not there. I know, and, and uh, you know, it's just it's sad, Mike, that that. People believe that, though. You know, they actually believe uh, that they're going to get the flu or they can get the flu from it or, or that if they have their child vaccinated that, that there's a potential for autism. And I, I, I just well, I don't understand that, but I know it's reality uh, with a lot of these people. Well, it's very dangerous because there are a lot of people that cannot be vaccinated. Uh, the first vaccination for measles, in fact, is not given until the baby is one year old. Correct. So think of all the babies that are exposed and are potentially infected that aren't yet a year old. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I, I hate to cut you off, my friend, but uh, my producer's pointing at me that uh, that we are out of time. I'm going to have to have you back on here before long uh, to uh, to really uh, discuss this this uh, uh, vaccination uh, uh, issue in, in greater details and, and uh my friend, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. This is Dale. Well, thank you for the 
Absolutely. This is Dale, and this is Nature's Edge. Until we meet again, my friends, run wild and run free. Visit naturesedgemedia.com. You can check out podcasts, videos, lecture archives from Dale, and much more. Thank you for listening to Nature's Edge with Dale Stewart, brought to you by Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina.